Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Starting a new message series today. Are you ready? Yeah, whoa, we even got claps. Come on. Starting a new message series, a story of Elijah. And uh, what we're going to do is we are going to work through the book of 1 Kings and the beginning of 2 Kings through the story of Elijah. Elijah is a very large figure uh, in the uh, Old Testament story, in Israel's history. He kind of looms large over the landscape. Uh, and there's several references to him in the New Testament. Uh, it's important that we understand who he is and his role in the past. And, uh, you know, looking at the past sometimes, if we think about the past today, sometimes we don't like to look to the past too much. I certainly don't want to look to 2020 at all, right? If I could just erase a year, 2020 would be one of those years. How about you? I am just, I thought 2019 was bad. And then I came into 2020, I was pretty excited for the new year, and then coronavirus decided to come, it messed everybody up. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for what God did in 2020, but many people don't want to look back to 2020, they don't want to look back to 2019, they don't want to look back at all, because they're hoping for a new future. Maybe, maybe there's things in your past you don't want to look to, maybe, maybe there's family patterns that if you look back far enough, you see that make you uncomfortable. Maybe uh, there's what we call in, in kind of Christianity generational curses, things that seem to pop up every generation or two in your history. Maybe you come from a line of alcoholics or uh, single parents. M- maybe maybe uh, things have not worked out financially for your family. Uh, may- maybe, maybe, maybe you look back and you see uh, family patterns that look like generational blessings. Uh, and sometimes people like to think that they're self-made and they don't want to look back and think that possibly someone else has something to do with their current story. We're, none of us stand in this life alone. We stand upon the shoulders of everybody who came before us. We didn't come up with a new Christianity when we started Revival Life Church. Uh, we built upon the foundation of the historical faith. We don't start, uh, when we start a business, we weren't the first person to ever think of a product or the way we sold it. We built it upon everybody who came before us. So wherever you're at, it's, it, there's a temptation to think that I'm, I'm the first one or, or, or a refusal to look back and see how we got here. You know, we're all looking forward. We, we all want to achieve our dreams. We all want to fulfill our potential. Uh, and, and, and many times today, they say, keep your eye on the prize. They say, uh, uh, don't look in the rearview mirror, only look ahead. But sometimes in life, we need to look back in order to go forward. We, 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 we have to um, remember where we came from, uh, and we have to realize in looking back how we got where we are right now, and then we can figure out how to go forward. We, we can't solve the problems that we have right now if we don't understand how we got to where we are. So in this message series, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to study the story of Elijah and his role in Israel's history and try to recapture 
the story as they plotted their way into the future. Now, as we look at the past, we, we have to understand uh, what, what is Israel trying to achieve here in telling the story of Elijah. And, and here's what the prophets are trying to do. They're trying to answer three questions. And, and where are we? How do we get here? And where are we going? And this is a question we all need to be having in life. We need to be revisiting this from time to time. Where am I right now in relation to God's will? Where am I internally in relation to God's will? Where am I socially? Where am I financially? Where am I relationally? Where, where, where am I spiritually in relation to God's will? How did I get to where I am at right now? How did I get to this place? Where we are normally is a sum total of the decisions that we've made. Most likely, where you are right now is a direct reflection of the hard choices you made or didn't make to get where you are right now. And, and then we, we have to ask, where is it that God wants me to go from here? Where, where is God taking us? This is what Israel is trying to figure out. Israel is telling this story. Uh, we're going to read here in uh, 1 Kings. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to 1 Kings chapter 16. Uh, and we're going to watch as Israel tries to answer this story about them, these questions about themselves, so they could chart the way forward. Are you ready? You guys ready? Excellent. As you turn there, I have an announcement to make. Um, we have, um, uh, we, we, we minister in perilous times here. Uh, and it's, it's, it's funny, um, but it's not funny. Uh, I'm full of faith. Uh, by, 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 by faith, by God's grace, I have not um, gotten sick of coronavirus. Pray, bless the Lamb. Amen. We pray for you guys every day. My wife and I do. Um, um, we pray for our family. Uh, and we haven't gotten it. At the same point, I get my second um, shot tomorrow. Um, amen. Come on. Thank you for science. <laughs> Thank you for scientists who've been working on this for, what is it, six years or nine years? And then it just so happens that there was, you know, they knew it was coming, uh, this type of uh, virus. Uh, but there's many people uh, in our community who get exposed and have to quarantine. We just had another rash of people this week who had to quarantine. And, um, and there's many people who are still joining us online because they're just not ready uh, for health reasons or whatever to go public. Uh, and so what we have found in this season is this has taken a great toll uh, on our volunteers. Uh, run into services, people, you know, supposed to serve, and then they have to quarantine. Uh, and then it just puts a great toll. And so what we're doing for the short term is we're going to go to one service starting next Sunday. Uh, and what we're going to do, um, it's, an, it's, a, it's, it's I, I like two services. I like the options. I like preaching. Uh, so that's that. I like worshiping twice in one Sunday. You know, I'm here. Uh, but it's starting to take a toll. And uh, we, we, the church is never um, called to consume its volunteers for the sake of the church, right? The church is the people in the church. Can you say amen? And we need to, we need to take care of the people in our church. And so starting next week, we're going to have one 10 a.m. service. And we're going to do this for a short season until things just get a little less crazy. Uh, just so we can... We're going to have, sometime in March, I don't know, Sarah will probably announce it next week. I don't know when. But we're going to have, uh, we're opening up toddlers for revival kids, right? The nursery, whatever it is. Whatever it is, we're going to have all the kids in there. And the moms are yelling. Hallelujah. 
And if you're home because we don't have the little ones, we're have, we're going to start them up. I don't know the date on that because I rarely know anything that's going on. I just preach the Bible, right? That's my job. Uh, but we uh, made the really tough decision to go to one service. Um, uh, it's just the right decision for today. Uh, hopefully, we're going to go back to two very soon, as soon as this thing passes. Can you say amen? amen. All right, so uh, tell people, uh, and uh, we're going to announce more about that at some point. So let's read the Bible real quick. First uh, Kings chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 29. Uh, we're going to read a little text here, and then we're going to talk about it. It says, Now Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria for 22 years. Now, as you read the book of 1 Kings, and I, and I hope you begin to read this with me, just to kind of get a grip on the story. The way they tell time... Uh, in the book of 1 Kings, and you might, this might sound weird, this and the king of that, and the way they tell time is they tell uh, one kingdom, Judah or Israel, in relation to who's king of the other kingdom. That's how they tell time. They say this king, this person became king when the person in the other kingdom had been king for six years. That's kind of how they tell time. It's not just them randomly saying things. So they're kind of tracking the lineage of the kings over Judah and Israel. You good? So, so let's read that one more time. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria for 22 years. Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. That's a terrible indictment. And as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. So he erected an altar for Baal, uh, made the Asherah. So Ahab, excuse me, for Baal at the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. Ahab also made the Asherah. So Ahab did more to provoke the Lord in Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Hiel the Bethelite rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundations with the loss of Abram, his firstborn, and set up its gates with the loss of his youngest, Segub, in accordance with the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. Can you say amen to the reading of the word? Now that, you may not have gotten any of that. Just so many names and dates, and, 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 and you're like, I don't know what, what we just, just read. Hold on for a second, all right? I'm, I'm going to unpack this. But let me ask you this question. If you could go back in time... What would you tell your younger self? If you could go back um, maybe 15 years, maybe 10, maybe if you're a little older, 20 years or maybe 30 years, and you could just for a moment go back in time and just spend a half an hour with your younger self, what would you tell you? This is something you should think about now and then. What is it you would tell you? And I asked this on Instagram this week, and I said, hey, what, what would you tell your younger self? And the, and the answers I got were like, hey, uh, quit, quit being lazy. It, it, that's going to cost you later on. Or stop acting like the world owes you something. And other things like, I would tell my younger self at the first sign of abuse, leave. Uh, these are the kind of things that we would shut off from our inner self and not, not think about. But we need to be able to learn from our past. The world says don't look back. The past is in the past. Uh, but 
your current life is a sum total of choices that you made. And, and you can't chart your way forward without understanding how you got here. You, you, you can't. You, it's just wishful thinking to think, if I just wish for, if I just do magical thinking, everything is going to change. If I just do magical thinking, then all of a sudden, the past won't repeat itself in my life. Magical thinking doesn't fix stuff unless the way you think changes the way you behave. If you don't change the way you behave, what you've always gotten is what you're always going to get. We have to be able to, amen, you have to be able to look back, figure out how you got here. Now, you may not have power over the past, but you have authority over the future. You, you have authority over <clears throat> the future. Now, you don't if you don't know where you are. If you don't listen, if you don't have people speak into your life, if you think that everybody else doesn't understand, if you're among the, the delusion that nobody else gets it, you're the only one who gets it, and your problems are not your fault, then you're never going to grow. We're just not going to get our God dream. We're not, we're, we're not going to achieve what we hope to achieve. We, we have to be able to take a realistic look and sometimes get some feedback on where we are so we can move into the future. And sometimes I like to think about myself. I like to think about where I'm going. And, and, and sometimes I fixate on that. Sometimes I fixate on when, what's the next step, where's the next path. And <clears throat> if you do that too much, you can get too fixated on the, on the problems that could lie ahead or the obstacles that lie ahead. Instead of just saying, I know where I'm going, how do I take a step there today? How, how do I just make a step into it? today. When you look back over time and you get a little more mature, <clears throat> you know you're getting mature when you look back and things look a little different than they did when you were in it. Yeah. Amen? You remember when you were young and maybe you were in school and you had these huge social issues and you were very nervous about what some people thought of you or how you fit in and now you're like, if I could only live that over again. I would not care what any of those people thought about me. I would make such healthier choices. I, I, I possibly would have not tried to sit at the cool table in high school and actually reached out to somebody by themselves. Right? I, could, I had so much more power and influence than I knew. I could have done so much more had I been a little more mature. You know, I, I told the story about when I visited the house that I grew up in, and I went in, and it looked so small, right? And when we're in a season, it looks so big, and when we visit it later, it was really not that complicated. It really wasn't that big. It was actually rather small. We overcomplicated it, and this is how you know you're maturing when you're able to look back and see what you're in through a different lens. See, when you're living in bitterness, unforgiveness, doubt, regret, you still haven't matured from that child who thinks they're being wronged and had no power. We know through the gospel of Jesus Christ that you can change what happened in those situations through the power of forgiveness. We know that we have an ability to change what those situations did on our heart through our choices. And in 1 Kings here is Israel trying to look back to figure out how we got here. See, the prophets, when you read the prophets in the Old Testament, the, the, what we call the major prophets and the minor prophets, there are no minor or major prophets, but some wrote more than others. They wrote about an entirety of about 300 years in Israel's history. They, they lived about 300 years, excuse me, not wrote about, but they lived about 300 years 
in Israel's history. And when this was written, they call it the Deuteronomic texts. This was written not in the day. There wasn't a secretary taking notes as they, as they did this story. As a matter of fact, if you read up till 1 Kings chapter 16, it moves really fast. Israel, when they're writing this story, it is several hundred years later. Uh, and they, at this point, while they're reading it, they weren't living in Israel anymore. They had been into the promised land, of course. They were delivered from Egypt, and they came into the promised land, and they reigned over their own territory for the very first time. And then over a period of history, God was warning them of some things, and then finally they were captured by the Babylonians. They were overthrown by the Babylonians, and they were cast out uh, into Babylon, and they were exiles from their own land. And they're in this land saying, how... Did we get here? We had our own place. God was the miracle worker in our life. And now we're outcasts in our own land. And they decided to put together the history of how they became captives outside of their land. And they began writing. They wrote the story of Israel to try to explain to the people in captivity, this is how we got here. Let's get it right so we can get our land back and we can be the people of God. This sometimes is uh, what can happen with us. If you remember, right as they were preparing to cross over into the land, God gave them a warning that they're supposed to teach the lessons of God. They're supposed to teach these lessons of God so they don't, they don't leave them. And at this point, several hundred years later, Israel is like, man, we made some problems and we need to be able to teach our children how not to have these same problems in their lives. We have to. We have to take a real honest look with what got us in this bad situation because we don't want our kids to repeat it. And if you're a good parent, you want to do the same thing. Let me tell you, don't waste your life lessons. Don't, don't die with your life lessons. Everything that you went through in the last season or maybe the season before that, don't let that die with you. Don't let those seasons be wasted just on you. You, you, you want to preach them. You want to share your faith journey with others. Don't, don't waste these lessons. You want to share them with other people. Share your life lessons with the people around you. Amen. This, this, call, this is called being a good friend. When you see people going down a very bad path that you went down, you want to share what happened with you. Now, it may not be popular, but at some point, they're going to realize you were the one giving them the good advice. Amen. You are the one who said, listen, this, this, this is not going to work out long term. I Recently, uh, I was with my daughter in the car, and uh, I was giving her a ride somewhere, and we picked up one of her friends, and uh, as soon as she got in the car, I started talking about, what are you going to do for college? Because they're, they're high school seniors. And my daughter looks at the other girl like, almost like I told you he was going to talk about this. We haven't talked about it, but I, I like she knew, my daughter knew when this girl got in the car... I was going to start drilling her on, hey, you're about to graduate high school. Have you applied to college yet? Have you gotten any of this stuff together? Now, I'm not her dad, but I didn't have a parent asking me about my college steps. I, it was just like, figure it out on your own. And, and as far as I'm concerned, there's no high school senior who's not going to have anybody trying to challenge them on this. Like, let's take some next steps. Let's, let's get life together. Amen? Come on. I, I want to bring these lessons into your life. Now, you mean like, well, that's not a big deal. Well, you might have had good parents, right? I'm, I love my parents, but they didn't exactly prep me for college. And, and I'm, I'm not just going to let that go by the wayside. 
if nobody else in your life was, was, was poking you, it's going to be me. Like, like, come on, you're a smart person. Let's, let's get it together here. Let's put a little effort into this. Let, let's, shoot, let's shoot for the stars, right? You've got to be honest with the people you have influence with. You're, if, if your influence is just for you, then that's not godly influence. Godly leadership says, I'm going to use my influence to help people's lives. That's what influence is for if you're a follower of Christ, to help other people's lives. So right before Israel entered the promised land, if you remember, if you read the early in the book of Joshua, God is about to deliver them, and God says to them, listen, here's the deal. You're going to go into the promised land. You're going to, I'm going to give you some land here, but you got to remember my teachings you got to teach them to your children. Like, this is important. It has to be important to you. Don't, don't ignore me once you come into the land of blessing. Follow God's ways, he told them, and teach these ways to your children. And so God made an agreement with them. He said, I'll be your God. You'll be my people, but you gotta, you got to follow my ways. And so they go into the, 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 the promised land, and uh, then they wanted a king. You know the story. And uh, you set up David, and then there was Solomon, and then there was Solomon didn't turn out so good, and then they had all kind of issues, and, and then bad kings came in, and this promised land that God had given them eventually split. It split in two. Israel split into uh, uh, Israel as the northern kingdom and Judah as the southern kingdom. They had a bad king. He taxed people very heavily, and there was a revolt, and it split now into two kingdoms. And in the northern kingdom, uh, <clears throat> there was um, Israel had... Uh, had Jerusalem for its um, capital, and the southern kingdom didn't, excuse me, the, the southern kingdom had Jerusalem, and the northern kingdom was like, you know, we, wanna, we want one as well, and so uh, Ahab became king, and so while Judah had Jerusalem as its royal capital, Ahab came and said, hmm, I want a royal city as well, but Ahab had married a woman uh, who worshiped Baal because he himself worshiped Baal instead of the God who gave them the land. This is super important to this story. It says here in verse Kings, 1 Kings 16, 32, here's why this is important. He became king. He wanted his own holy city. And it says, so he erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. So just like Judah had Jerusalem and had the holy temple in Jerusalem to God, the king of Israel then erected an altar, not in there, but over in Samaria, built in a temple to Baal, and erected an altar for Baal. It was his goal to make Baal the king of Israel, to usher this false god. Now, you can see why this might be a problem, right? Like, if you're the people of God... God may not be so excited that in the land he gave you, you decide to make another God the king. And, uh, and, and so, so we, as Israel's looking back in their history saying, how did we get here? And they're telling the story really fast and they stop. They say, wow, remember when Ahab became king, what happened? I bet, I bet that's important. I bet it's important here. The kingdom split and then half the kingdom starts not, not, just, not just not sure who they're following, not just accepting the ways of the foreigners, the foreign gods, the foreign religions, but now they're actively making this the religion of the land. It's no problem when you live in the world. It's a problem when you become of the world. It's a problem when the church looks like the world. Amen. 
I'm, I'm not going to go down that because I'm going to try to stay focused here. I'm, I wanted to preach that right there, but I'm just going to slow down here. Here's what they were trying to figure out. God had told them, listen, God's ways produce God's protection. When you follow God's ways, you get God's protection in your life. And, it's, um, <clears throat> and what they discovered was when you worship other gods, God would kind of back up and say, you want to you you worship a, full, a false god? Let's see how the false god protects you. Let, let's, see, let's see when you worship this false god how that works out for your children. Let's see, you know, he would say, don't do it. He'd send prophets, don't do it. I put before you life and death, choose life, but it's totally up to you. And they would choose a false god and terrible things would happen. This is the pattern that we would see. So when they came into the land of Israel, uh, after they crossed over the Jordan and they began taking the land way back with Joshua in the beginning, the very first major city that they encountered was Jericho. And you remember uh, Jericho was a pagan city. Uh, They worshiped the false god. And Joshua knew if this stays, our people are going to be swayed because this is, this is, you know, we're just some people wandering, and here's a nice city worshiping a false god. And so he felt like we need to destroy this, otherwise we will look like this. Well, there's something to learn here. If I don't destroy this thing in my land, we're going to look like this thing. So you remember they came up against it, walked around walls, shouted, and, and that whole point wasn't to change an election; it was to kill people who were evil. Right? Let's watch, let's watch how we appropriate stuff here, right? And, so, and so, um, so he goes around it, and they destroy the entire city, and um, he spoke a curse, Joshua did. Look at this. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 26, Joshua, after he destroyed it, he made an oath at that time, and he said, Cursed before the Lord is the man who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. With the loss of his firstborn, he shall lay its foundation, and with the loss of his youngest son, he shall set up its gates. That was right at the beginning. He's like, hey, when, when God drives a false thing out of your life, it's almost better if you never were free than you to get free and go back. Once you get free, the Lord's like, don't touch that thing anymore because you were ignorant when you were in it. And now you know. Do not choose this sin on purpose because bad things happen. And so now as they're writing the history, they're saying, oh, wait a minute. There was Ahab this false king, and then what happened next? We want to figure this out. Let's read here in 1 Kings chapter 16. Let's go back. Verse 34, he says, In his day, Heel, the Bethelite, built Jericho. This is what Joshua had warned them not to do. So now we got a false, we got a king worshiping a false god. Rebuilding an altar to a false god. And now they're rebuilding the cities that had been cursed by God. And here's what happened. In his days, Hillel, the Bethelite, built Jericho. He laid its foundation with what? The loss of Abram, his firstborn. Remember the curse? His firstborn will die. And his oldest son will die. Watch this. He, He laid its foundations with the loss of Abram, his firstborn, and set up its gates with the loss of his youngest son, Segub according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. What they would do in pagan uh, towns those days is they would, um, they would, they would, they would um, when they would dedicate a large city to, to their god, Baal, they would, um, they would sacrifice their, 
their firstborn son, their oldest son, and they would lay it under the foundation stone of the walkway into the temple. They would sacrifice their child and put it under the temple. And as a matter of fact, in just this year, they found um, toddler bones under the threshold of a temple uh, in, in, um, in Israel. They, they, they found actual evidence. It's not just Bible folklore. And so they would literally sacrifice their kids. And, um, and God was like, listen, this is, this is not who we are. This is not who we're going to be. You have to destroy every remnant of this. And in our lives, if we're going to go forward with where God has us, we have to figure out, how did I get here? And, and what I have found is... Um, when, when, when you're not following God's plan, you don't get God's blessing, but when you return to God, you have control over the future. When you return to God, you have control over the future. And some of us need to look at some of the gateways that we had left, that we had sacrificed some of the things God had given us to get into. God had given us some plans and said, listen, you just need to not try to be popular with those people. You need to get that thing out of your life. You need to sanctify Sunday morning. You need to sanctify your finances. Whatever God had challenged you with and you said, yes, God, yes, I will do it. And it was something that God had given you. And when something else came along, there was maybe a relationship. Maybe there was a job opportunity. Maybe there was just popularity or maybe it seemed like, okay, now I'm going to get ahead, all I have to do is sacrifice this thing that God gave me. All I have to do is give up on that thing that God had given to me. Maybe, maybe, maybe God told you that you're going to be a worship leader, or he told you that you're going to be a great businessman, or he gave you these promises, but you had given him something. And he said, listen, if you're faithful to me and my finances, then I will be faithful to you. And then just something came along, an opportunity, and it didn't seem like a big deal at the time, but it was a city that God had destroyed. And he said, don't rebuild this thing in your life. And, and you're like, well, probably this little bit won't be that big a deal. And now we're reaping the fruit of it in our lives. See, that, that gets uncomfortable sometimes. These conversations get uncomfortable. This, this kind of inner working is uncomfortable. And, 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 and what the writer is trying to tell the people of Israel in Babylon is, listen, God is a redeemer. God, God, all the prophets, they, they always spoke, listen, you are going to be judged for this. Things are going to go bad. However, however, if you turn to the Lord, your redeemer will send the Messiah who will deliver you. And that is still our God today. But we have to recognize what it is we need to turn from. Do I have a musician at all or anybody who can play anything? Corey, can you play some little guitar for me? Thank you. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I got a choir happening. Listen, I don't, I don't know where you are today in all of this. I don't, I don't, I don't know... I don't know what God is speaking to you. <clears throat> but they wrote this book looking back, trying to track with God and get back where he had them. And sometimes we feel stuck in our present situation. We think like, man, that's it. I blew it. I blew it. It's over. I, I, God warned me and I didn't, I didn't listen And now I'm stuck. 
like the children of Israel, trying to figure out how do we get here? How do we get here? How do we get out of this captivity? And they began to write the story. Oh, wow. Yeah, God warned us about that. God warned us about that. Oh, God warned us about that. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at my life and I'm like, ah, God warned me about that. And he didn't do that to to scare us or to come and thump us on the head. He wants us to turn from it. And sometimes he lifts his hand of protection off of things so we can see things for what they really are. He says, you you sure you really want that? Because you haven't been looking at the whole thing. Let Let me show you what that relationship comes with. I said no to that relationship because I know what's best and now I'm going to lift my hand of protection and you're going to see. It's not healthy. Yes, yes, you'll make more money doing that thing, but it's going to cost you your relationship with me. It's... You want to go on your own. You, you really don't though because that's going to rob you. And The enemy wants to let you know, no, you're at a better place now. And God's like, remember when it was me and you? Remember when we had this agreement. Remember when I walked with you and brought you into this place? Remember remember when you encountered my presence? Remember when my spirit was poured out upon you and you could see into the heavens and you could see the plan I have for you? Remember when we would dream together about your future? Remember when I would put a hope on the inside of you? Do you remember when you weren't so focused on what you're getting and you were so excited just to give and you were able to live in joy? Remember when you trusted me? And God today is saying, hey, do you know where you are? Do you know where you are today? Have you taken a real look at what some of your stubbornness has produced? Have you taken a real look? I just feel like there's a grace for repentance here today. I believe the Lord is calling some people back to the secret place. And maybe to be brave enough to begin processing some of the struggles you brought yourself into. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. So, Father, we just ask right now in the name of Jesus. I um, I really want to move on, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, but I just can't get away from this. And um, if you're in pain today, if you're just going through some internal turmoil, I'm not, I'm, um, I'm not trying to beat anybody up. And if you're the kind of person who blames yourself, you're probably, you're probably really seeing, okay, I caused all of this. And if you're the kind of person who never blames yourself, you may not be listening to me right now. Somewhere in between is probably the truth. I think some people who blame themselves a lot, what you need to be looking at is you should have spoken up a little bit more. And some of us who don't see how we got ourselves here need to take an honest look and say... Because Jesus really wants to redeem these situations in your life. But it requires turning from what you have been doing to cause it. It's going to cause humility. It's going to take humility. And it's going to take trust. And so this morning, let's just welcome him in. Just in your words, say, Jesus, I turn from these things. And I turn to you. And I'm asking you to rescue me again. Give me the way out. Give me the plan out. And just like Israel here was deconstructing their story to figure out how they got here, we're going to just do some, just just the work of looking inward so we can see what it is we need God to fix. Stand with me if you would so I can pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we say today we want, we want to have all the control over our future you have for us. We, we, we believe that you want to rescue us. We believe that you are the Redeemer, that you are the Savior, that you are good, that you have plans for our prosperity and not our destruction. You have plans for our restoration and not our withering. You, you have plans for us to help further your gospel and not our insignificance. You, you God, you are the God of truth. You are for me and not against me. And I'm deciding today to be honest about what I need to do in reaction to that. I'm deciding today that I'm going to be brave with what I'm supposed to do in reaction to that and humbly ask you to come in. I'm going to repent to the people I need to repent to. I'm going to forgive the people I need to forgive. So that I can walk in your fullness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.